This family of cakes can be found all over Europe and are produced quite unlike the more traditional way of baking in a pan. It can be smooth or spiked and is decorated with chocolate, coconut or spices. Broken in pieces or served as a tower, this holiday treat is sure to wow your guests. We're exploring the history and origins of Chakotis. I'm your host, Glenn Warren, and welcome to another serving of Seasons Eatings, the podcast which explores the history and origins of your favorite Christmas foods. Seasons Eatings can be found wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you haven't already, I would ask you to subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode when it's released, and all future episodes will be available without you having to search for them. If you can please take a minute and leave me a five-star review, I would greatly appreciate it. Reviews help others find the podcast and help me know that you're enjoying what I'm doing. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker as a personal thank you. Seasons Eatings is also found on most socials. All the links can be found in the show notes, which can be found at seasonseatingspodcast.com. And while you're there, you can buy me an eggnog. Just click on the little cup at the top of the page and leave a donation for as little as $3. Each donation is used for the running of the podcast and its general upkeep, so any help would be greatly appreciated. Finally, you can let me know how I'm doing, leave a suggestion for a future episode, or just say hello at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com. Most cakes are created in about the same way. You mix a batter, pour it into a pan, and bake it in an oven. But there's another way of baking the batter. How about baking a cake along a rotating rod over an open fire? Tree cake is a generic term that denotes a variety of European cakes, all made in a similar way. Layers of dough or batter are deposited, one at a time, onto a tapered cylindrical rotating spit. The dough is baked by an open fire or in a special oven, rotisserie style. The name tree cake is because of its distinctive shape. It's often conical like a pine tree and with the drips as branches and tree rings inside. Variations of spit cakes are popular across Europe. In Hungary, Slovakia, and the Czechia, spit cakes tend to be tubular. German Baumkuchen looks like donuts stacked one on top of the other. One of the most dramatic spit cakes, though, is the Lithuanian version Shakotis. In the final stages of the cooking process, Bakers increase the speed in which the spit rotates, which causes spikes to form as the batter is flung towards the fire. 
The result is a cake that resembles a Christmas tree. The closest resemblance to spit cakes can be traced back to about 400 BC. Ancient Greeks used to make bread by winding dough on a spit and baking it over an open fire. The bread called oblei, derived from obloi, a spit, was about two meters long, and men in the procession carried the spit on their shoulders to the sanctuary of Dionysus. Romans adopted spit baking, and with the expansion of Roman Empire, the tradition spread in Europe. England has been the home of spit cakes since the late Middle Ages. As described in Food and Drink in Britain from the Stone Age to the 19th century by C. Ann Wilson, dried fruits and nuts were also enclosed in a batter and fried in oil as risoles of fruit, or were threaded on to long separate threads, which were wound together around a spit and basted with batter as they roasted to make a train roast. The train was afterwards cut into fair pieces of span length and eaten hot. The baking of a train roast occasionally takes place just before Christmas, as a part of Tudor period cooking demonstrations held in the enormous kitchen of Henry VIII's Hampton Court. The first known record about spit cakes is 15th century Heidelberg manuscript. The description mentions a strip of raised dough that has to be wound in a spiral around a baking spit and brushed with egg before baking. That type of cakes were baked by Skelzer Hungarians as well as Czech Moravians. In the 16th century, some other variations of the spit cake emerged. Saxons from Transylvania, who emigrated to Germany, started making Bomschleisel by placing a sheet of stretched dough on the surface of the spit and tying it together with a string. The first recipe in the Polish-Lithuanian-Belarusian region was published by Jan Zeitler in 1830. He was born in the capital of Poland into a cook's family. He began his career at the age of 14 as a cook in the Oginski family in Saigle. Later, he was a cook at the court of Stanislaw August Panitowski, under the leadership of the famous chef Paul Tremont. The culinary preferences of King Stanislaw August initiated the fashion for refined and at the same time healthy cuisine, combining the culinary traditions of French and Polish cuisine. In 1820, he settled in Vilnius, where until the end of his life, he was exclusively engaged in writing and publishing books and guides on farm topics, including cooking guides, which were very popular in Poland, Lithuania, and Belarus. Zittler's cookbooks, which were published in huge editions for those times, had a great influence on shaping the culinary tastes of the nobility and the bourgeoisie. Zittler drew inspiration for his recipes from both French and Polish cuisine, and to a lesser extent, Lithuanian cuisine and Belarusian cuisine. The recipe for spit cake can be found in his cookbook, Cook with a Good Disposition, which seems to be good advice for anyone learning a new recipe. 
Scholars believe that in Lithuania, the monks started to bake the shakotis in the early 15th century, and that there are more than 60 different types of this cake. There are some stories that shakotis was the most favorite dessert of Babora Radvilate, a queen of Poland and the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, in the 16th century. The cake became popular in the 19th century in the former territory of the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, or Union, after 1791 known as the Commonwealth of Poland, was a state of Poland and Lithuania ruled by a common monarch. The Commonwealth was an extension of the Polish-Lithuanian Union, and a personal union between these two states that had existed from 1386. It was the largest and one of the most populous countries of the 16th and 17th century Europe. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth covered more lands than the present lands of Poland and Lithuania. The lands of the Commonwealth also covered all the lands of present-day Belarus, a large part of Ukraine and Latvia, and the western part of present-day Russia. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth had high levels of ethnic diversity and by religious tolerance. The amount of religious freedom varied over time. After several decades of prosperity, it entered a period of political, military, and economic decline. It ended with the final partitions of Poland in 1795. Its growing weakness led it to being divided by its more powerful neighbors, Austria, Prussia, and the Russian Empire. Shakotis is related to the Baumkuchen in German cuisine. Baumkuchen is like a kind of spit cake. It's also a very popular dessert in Japan. The characteristic rings that appear on its slices resembles tree rings and gives the cake its German name, Baumkuchen, which literally translates to tree cake or log cake. Traditionally, Baumkuchen is made on a spit by brushing on even layers of batter and then rotating the spit around a heat source. Each layer is allowed to brown before a new layer of batter is poured. When the cake is removed and sliced, each layer is divided from the next by a golden line, resembling the growth rings on a cross-cut tree. A typical Baumkuchen is made up of 15 to 20 layers of batter. However, the layering process for making Baumkuchen can continue until the cakes are quite large. Skilled pastry chefs have been known to create cakes with 25 layers and weighing over 100 pounds, or about 45 kilograms. When cooked on a spit, it is not uncommon for a finished Baumkuchen to be 3 or 4 feet tall. Kurtoshkalach is a spit cake specific to Hungarians from Transylvania. Originally popular in the Hungarian-speaking regions of more predominantly the Skeckeliland, it became popular in both Hungary and Romania. The first written record dates back to 1679 and is found in the village of Saint-Petru de Campi while the first recipe appears in a manuscript cookbook dated in 1781. Earlier a festive treat, it is now part of everyday consumption. In Transylvania, a similar pastry to Kurtoskulach is Bamskreisel, originating from the Saxon communities. 
Kartoshkalach is made from sweet yeasted dough, of which a strip is spun and then wrapped around a truncated cone-shaped baking spit and rolled in granulated sugar. It is roasted over charcoal while basted with melted butter until its surface cooks to a golden brown color. During the baking process, the sugar stuck on the kartoskalash caramelizes and forms a crisp, shiny crust. The surface of the cake can then be topped with additional ingredients such as ground walnuts or powdered cinnamon. And to my surprise, I started looking around and found out of the sort of the gâteau à la broche, a tree cake in French, can also be found in France's Haute-Pyrénées region. Apparently, it is thought that Napoleon's soldiers retreating from the battle through Lithuania may have picked it up and brought the recipe back to France. You can find a gâteau à la broche in traditional boulangeries in Aveyron or in Haute-Pyrénées, where demonstrations of making it are held every Tuesday at Argel-Gazost Market. We'll find out how the chakotis is made after the break. Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, Ozzy Osbourne. This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsbourneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come on! What do you say? Do you think it's the... The wildest show on the internet. Oh. <laughs> Do you long for those casual Friday nights spent in on the couch, cuddled up with a blanket, maybe some delivery pizza without a care in the world? Then I have the podcast for you. Hey, I am Matt, and I am the host of TGI Podcast. As a product of the 1990s, I want to go back and take a look at all of the classic TGIF shows, as well as many other classic sitcoms from that era, to determine if they truly are a holiday classic. We've got you covered with Halloween and Thanksgiving in the fall before we go full steam ahead with Christmas in December. Come give us a listen if you want to take a trip down 90s Nostalgia Lane. I'm Matt. I'm a podcaster, a lifelong Christmas nerd, and a professional Santa. And I have a Christmas podcast called North Pole Radio. Each week I sit down with a fellow Christmas performer, a fellow Christmas podcaster, or just a fellow Christmas nerd, and talk about all things Christmas. There's a heavy focus on the art of portraying Santa, but we also cover Christmas movies, Christmas songs, Christmas food, and, well, basically anything Christmas. So check out North Pole Radio wherever you download podcasts.
The U.S. defense industry is large, complex, and competitive. It is also lucrative for those companies able to navigate it successfully. The American Society of Military Comptrollers helps bridge the gap between the boardroom and the battlefield while supporting transformation in the defense sector. The Business of Defense podcast brings you inside the companies working to achieve this directly from the business leaders and to understand how they create value for their companies and their customers. For more information on ASMC, visit asmconline.org. You don't have to travel all the way to Europe to enjoy Chakotis this holiday season. Because of its extant German and Eastern European communities, Chicago supports many ethnic food shops, including not only the pretty temptation that is the German-informed Lutz Café and Pastry Shop, but also the Sweet World Pastry Shop, where the tree cake is sold for $10 a pound and produced year-round by Adam Ryba, a mechanical engineer from Poland who became a baker when he settled in Chicago. An egg-rich batter is dripped in stages onto a stainless steel rod, or spit, that rotates over a heat source. As the speed is increased, the batter forms spikes that resembles the branches of a tree. A cross-section of the cake also resembles the rings of a tree trunk, hence the name. First, a preheated, big, warm, vertical gas fire oven that looks like a Rube Goldberg improvisation of a sheet metal barbecue grill. After wrapping a large metal cone in layers of parchment, the cone is then slid over the spit's spindle, where it establishes the cake's tapering form. Then let the whole thing turn and heat for about 15 minutes. The cone must be hot, so first layer of batter sticks and also bakes the cake from the inside, Adam explained. The turning of the spit also keeps the batter clinging as it's wrapping around itself. Donning a clear protective plastic face mask, somewhat like a welder's mask as the heat builds up, Ryba ladles the batter from a big pail. Every ladle full was poured into a trough under the spit, so it become more liquid. As each layer toasted to a golden brown glaze, the next was poured over, and so on, until the desired width was achieved, thereby creating the defining brown rings one sees when the cake is sliced. Racine Bakery in Chicago makes this pastry in 16-inch and 24-inch sizes, but cakes as tall as 36 inches are not uncommon. In order to form the layers of the tree cake, an experienced baker slowly drops the batter along the length of the rod. It takes great skill to know just how much batter the rod can hold before it slides off. The rod continues to rotate as the batter bakes, and it can take five or more hours to make one tree cake. And nothing goes to waste. Excess batter dripping off the steel rod is caught in a pan to be used again for the next layer of the Lithuanian tree cake. The baker can tell just by looking at the cake when it's time to ladle on another layer of batter. It can take 15 to 20 minutes for each application of batter to cook before the next one is ladled on. As the layers are built up, 
the speed of the turning spit is increased, and bits of batter start to spike off, forming what look like branches. The tree cakes are cooled on the steel rod and then slid off to cool completely. At serving time, the tree cake is cut horizontally into rings. The Lithuanian tree cake rings are then further cut into serving size pieces, which can be eaten as is. Chakotis can be decorated with chocolate or flower ornaments, but it's often served plain. Chakotis is one of the most important desserts in Lithuanian celebrations, especially at weddings and other special occasions such as Christmas. It was the sweet chosen to represent Lithuania in the Café Europe initiative of the Austrian Presidency of the European Union on Europe Day 2006. In May 2015, in Druskininkai, Lithuania, the record for the biggest Shakotis was broken with 372 centimeters height and 85.8 kilograms in weight. That's over 12 feet in height and almost 190 pounds. Queens love this cake, the monks were keeping the secret recipe of it, and we, and we still have it on our tables for every Christmas celebration. The Lithuanian tree cake Chakotis is a thing you must try and bring back to your friends. You can even find small tree cakes as souvenirs. So taste, cook, and bring home a dessert with a secret monk's recipe. Lithuanian tree cake Chakotis. I'm Glenn Warren, and thank you for listening to this serving of Seasons Eatings. Seasons Eatings is available on all your major podcast players. Please, if you can leave a review about the show so we can spread the Christmas cheer. And I know we all get busy, especially during the holidays. So just sharing the podcast with someone you know who loves Christmas would mean so much. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email at seasonseatingspodcast at gmail.com and let me know how you like the show, suggestions for future episodes, or just to say hi. And if you let me know you've left a review, I'll send you a Seasons Eating sticker for your trouble, as well as my unwavering gratitude. And if you're feeling extra generous this season, you can buy me an eggnog. Head on over to seasonseatingspodcast.com and click on the little cup in the corner. Each small donation helps with the daily running of the podcast and is greatly appreciated. Seasons Eatings is also part of the Christmas Podcast Network. So head on over to christmaspodcast.com and find your next podcast addiction. All music for Seasons Eatings is used under the Creative Commons license.